Thanks for listening to the Seeds Church Podcast. If you're in Middle Tennessee, we'd love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out SeedsChurchTN.com for times and locations. Lord Jesus, we thank you for who you are. And we thank you for um, the, the grace that you give us and the word that you give us. Lord, I thank you this morning that you will uh, join the two of those together and that you will bless us with uh, um, insight and wisdom into our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, good morning. Good morning. So I I heard two sermons over the last uh, couple of weeks, and uh, both of them I said, wow, that was a good word. And then later I thought, those go together. Which is interesting because they were two different preachers, two different scenarios. Everything was different about them. One's in the Old Testament, one's in the New Testament. So I really don't know it that they go together, but we're going to treat them like they go together this morning and see where it takes us, all right? So uh, we're going to start with a story. Um, it, we're going to start in Genesis. Um, and uh, it's a story that you're, you're pretty familiar with. Uh, guy's name's Jacob. And... Uh, we're gonna see, we're, I have to set this story up for you so that, so that we can kind of see why it's important. Uh, Jacob has just uh, had the uh, deception thing with his dad. You all remember that? These aren't kids. All right, put your hand on your head if you... No. All right. So, so Jacob's just deceived his dad, and he's run away. And on kind of the worst you know, night of his life, he, uh, he's, he's heading to his Uncle Laban's house. He stops. It gets dark. He pulls up a rock and uh, takes a nap, right? Goes to sleep. Um, I, I've done that, pulled up a rock, laid my head on it. No, I'm just teasing. I usually don't have a rock, but you just take it. You're just tired. Just lay down, and he takes a nap, and he has this dream, and you all know the dream. We call it Jacob's Ladder. Uh, he's, he's laying there, and at the top of this, uh, he sees a ladder coming down from heaven, and it says it rests on the earth and rises up. The Hebrew for this actually means the ladder was moving, kind of like an escalator, and, and on this escalator, there, there's these angels, and they're coming down, and they're going up, and they're coming down, and they're going up. And at the top of the ladder is God the Father, and he is standing there, and he is reiterating for him and giving him all the promises that he gave his father Abraham, I mean his father Isaac and his grandfather Abraham. So this is a pretty powerful thing. He wakes up, and he says, wow, the, the presence of the Lord was here, and I didn't even know it. I wasn't even aware. And so then he... He goes back to sleep, but in the morning, he, he makes an altar. And this is the important part for us today. He calls the place Bethel. And Bethel means house of God. Beth, like Bethlehem, is house, house of bread. So Bet always means house. And El, like El Shaddai, is God, God of whatever. Okay, so, so Beth, Bethel is house of God. And this is the first mention of the house of God in Scripture. So the law of first, uh, first mentions in Scripture means that once something is mentioned in Scripture, it is consistent all through Scripture, no matter who the author or what book or Old or New Testament, it's going to mean the same thing all the way through. So here in this story of Jacob's ladder, we have the picture of the house of God. We have a picture of what we would call the New Testament church. We have the picture of what it's like to be, a, uh, to be the temple of God. Okay, so Jacob is just like you and I in this scenario. He is being told by God that he is in the house of God. And this place where he's at represents the house of God. And when we look at what's there, we have an open heaven above him. We have God the Father speaking to him, promises. 
Promises that he doesn't see in his own lifetime, by the way. I thought about that while I was preparing for this. Neither Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob ever see the promise that they continuously pass down to the generation after them. And Hebrews 11 tells us that that was counted unto them as great faith. So here the, here, here's the picture of the church. We have an open heaven above us. We have angelic or supernatural activity coming from heaven to earth and back up. We have the promises of God. And he says it's the gateway of heaven. A gate is a transition. You go from your backyard to your front yard, you have a gate. So it's a transition. So the church is this transitional place between heaven and earth. And it's at this place that thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven happens. And so here we are, modern day Christianity. We are the church. We have an open heaven above us. We have the ability to, to entertain angels and the spirit. We have supernatural activity flowing through us. And we have the promises of God. We are that gateway. So Jacob, Jacob does, I'd like to say Jacob was really excited about this, but he isn't. Uh, uh, God gave him all these great promises. Jacob pretty much gets up, makes the altar, acknowledges that it's the house of God, acknowledges that it's the uh, gateway, um, even for his own life. Uh, and, but then he, he says, okay, God, if you do these things, and he lists off some, some actually pretty uh, earth-minded things that he wants God to, to give to him. So God just promised him that he would have the Messiah come through his lineage. He's just promised him that these, this promised land would be his. He's just promised him all these amazing things. And, and Jacob's response is, um, I know you were here, and uh, that's good. I'm going to build this temple. I'm going to call it Bethel. I'm going to acknowledge that this is the house of God. And, but what I really want for you, from you is uh, you know, food and clothing and safety on my journey and, and that you'll someday bring me back home. And if you do all those things, then you'll be my God. And that's the way the chapter ends. There isn't really a whole, there isn't like a rebuke of Jacob for that. And God's like, okay, well, we'll start with that. And, uh, and off they go. So where, where our main message today happens is in the next chapter. So in the next chapter, he goes to Uncle Laban's house and he gets there and he hasn't met Laban yet. He's looking for him. Uh, I don't know whether the internet must have been down or whatever. He couldn't get his GPS to work. He can't find Laban. So he comes to this well and all these people are coming to water their flocks. And, uh, and he says, uh, do you, do you guys know Laban? He's looking for his family. This is his mom's, hmm, I better not say because I don't remember exactly, but he's family. So he's running away from dad's family and he's running to Uncle Laban. And, and the, the people at the well know who he is. In fact, they say, here comes his daughter now, she's bringing the sheep. And Jacob's like, cool, that was easy. And then Rachel shows up with the sheep. And Jacob doesn't see the sheep, he's all about Rachel. I mean, he is love at first sight, head over heels, enamored with Rachel. In fact, he goes back with her to Uncle Laban's house, and he spends a month working for her, not working for her, working for him, working for Uncle Laban for free. That's true love. He's living there. He's working there. He's, all he wants to do is be around Rachel. So his uncle says, okay, you've been here a month, and you've been working for free, and I know your family and all, but... We can do better. Let's make an arrangement. Let's have a wage. What would you like for your wages to be? And Jacob's response is, uh, I'd like your younger daughter, Rachel, and I'll work seven years. Uncle Laban says, okay. 
Sounds like a plan. So for seven years, Jacob works, does a good job. Says in the scripture that it seemed like a day to him because he was so in love with Rachel. Now you all know how this story goes. So he, uh, seven years is over, comes to Uncle Laban and says, hey, it's time. It's time for me to have my wife. In fact, it says right in scripture, he says, I've worked for you seven years. It's time for my wife. I want to make love to her. He's like, come on, it's time. And, and I don't want to be crude there, but Jacob is very, very ready to have a wife and to have a family. So Jacob says, okay, and he has a party. And this must have been some party. Because Jacob doesn't remember most of it. I don't know what that means. I was raised Baptist. I have no idea. I, but Jacob is so, like, out of it that Uncle Laban, who planned the party and who intended for all of this to happen, has given him Leah. Leah is the, the older sister. And in the, in the description of these two, Leah is described as someone who has weak eyes. Uh, I don't know what that means, but she's, she's not, like, she's not a looker. But Rachel is beautiful and has a great figure. So Jacob wakes up in the morning and he says, hmm, Behold Leah. It's in the King James. Behold Leah. In your NIV it says, And there was Leah. Okay, so he's kind of like, okay, this wasn't what I was expecting. And I don't really know what to do with this. But I'm going to go talk to Uncle Laban. So he goes to Laban. He says, why have you deceived me? And Laban says, well, it's not right for the younger to be married before the older. That's not how we do it here. So you got to have the older first. Jacob's like, okay. Hmm. And then Laban says, don't worry, just do your week with her. I guess this was a custom. You spent a week, you know, I don't know how that all worked, but do your week with her. And at the end of the week, we're going to give you Rachel too. And then you can work another seven years. So Jacob says, okay. I don't, you know, he wants Rachel. So what are you going to do? So he's got, now, I don't know that dad should have done it that way, right? He set up these two sisters in an un, uh, a lose-lose situation. Uh, but, but Jacob has now two wives and the potential for, uh, for a large family, and he's, he's going to roll with it. And that's where we start out. I want, I want to think about this behold Leah moment. Have you ever, have, have you ever had a behold Leah moment? So I, I think junior counselors, when they come to camp, I work at a camp, and these kids come, and they have campers for three, four years. I can't wait till I get to work at camp. I want to be a counselor just like, you know, just like Jeff. Or, am I doing that? Okay, it's all right. I like it better when it's on. Uh, so, so he says, uh, um, where am I? Junior counselor, right? That's right. They're, they're excited to come to work at camp. They're, they get accepted in the uh, Beyond You program, and they become junior counselors, and they show up, and they're given a weed eater. <laughs> Behold Leah. Right? Not what they're expecting. They're thinking, I'm going to lead people on these activities, you know, and we're going to go and go through the cave with kids, and we're going to tell them about God. And I remember when Larry and I started to think about starting the camp, we thought we're going to be ministering to people. We're going to take these kids on these trips, and we're going to do all this stuff. And 
all right, first we got to get a water line and we got to get a building built and we got to mow the lawn and we got to find a lawn. And, you know, it's like, okay, behold Leah. King David probably had a behold Leah moment. He kills Goliath and all, you know, he, he gets anointed king, right? Let's start with that. He gets anointed king. And then the king calls him and says, hey, come, come live in my house. Wow. And then the king starts throwing spears at him. Behold, Leah. I don't necessarily want to classify Leah as bad, right? We need the weed eat the yards. We need, uh, we need, we need all these things. We need Leah. Uh, but we're not expecting Leah. And kind of the premise of today is that if we're going to be the church, this, remember this happened right after uh, this description of the church. We have to walk through the process of Leah before we can have the anointing and the power of the offspring of Rachel. And that's the premise today. So when you think about that, the first four children, so he goes right into their having kids, okay? Leah has four kids. And uh, let me get this right so I get their names right. By the way, we all know Joseph, right? Disney made movies about Joseph, right? And most people know who Joseph is. A lot of people even know who Benjamin is. And we're like the Benjamin generation. We all know Benjamin. But what about the other guys? Well, we got Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah. I have a scripture. I want to read this to you. So when the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he enabled her to conceive, but Rachel remained childless. Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben, for she said, it is because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. She conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, because the Lord heard that I am not loved, he gave me this one too. So she named him Simeon. Again, she conceived, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, now at last my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. So he was named Levi. She conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, this time I will praise the Lord. So she named him Judah. Then she stopped having children. So here's the first four sons of Jacob. And, and really what I want to talk to you about today is these, these first four sons, she names them very specifically. Reuben means to see, Simeon means to hear, Levi means to be one with or attached to, and Judah means to praise. And we need those four components to our life. That's the process we need to go through if we want the anointing of the offspring of Rachel. You know, Joseph is a powerful man. Joseph, no, there's nothing negative said about Joseph in Scripture. You know, these other guys, Jacob, Isaac, Abraham, we know their faults, right? We know Abraham lied about his wife. We, you know, we don't have to go down all the faults, right? We know, we know their faults. Get to Joseph, there's not one thing mentioned about Joseph that's negative. Joseph is the clearest prototype we have or type we have of Jesus in the New Testament. He's the Old Testament shadow of Jesus, the fulfillment. So we have this, this, uh, we have this process that Jacob goes through. Four sons by Leah. And by the end of those four sons, Jacob, at least it seems, has accepted Leah. 
starts out with she wasn't loved. That doesn't mean God didn't love her. God loved her. It means Jacob didn't love her. Well, that's kind of understandable. But as he goes through this process with her, loving Rachel more, spending his nights with Rachel, most of them, not all of them, obviously, but most of them, but then having four children with Leah and hearing her name them. And by the end, he's attached to her. And by the end, Leah is praising God. Now, all craziness does break out after this. Okay, there's the whole handmaid and, you know, take my handmaid, take my handmaid, the mandrakes, the, you know, all, the, all these things go on in between. There's more children that come from, from different people to end up with a total of 12. But these, and two more come from Leah, but these first four are listed all together as a very beginning process. To see, to hear, to be attached to or established with, and to praise. So we have this picture of the church as the gateway. Angels ascending and descending, supernatural activity. Jesus actually fulfilled this. Jesus fulfills Jacob's ladder in John chapter 1. He tells Nathaniel, you're going to see me too. You th- uh, he had just prophesied that um, Nathan had been sitting under a tree, and Jesus is amused by that. He's like, well, you, think, you think I'm the Messiah? You're, you're willing to say I'm the Messiah because of that? Or you're going to see much greater things. You're going to see angels ascending and descending. He places himself in the same position. So he's saying, we predicted the church, or we, or we foretold what the church would look like. I am coming to fulfill that, and then I'm going to hand it to you. And then we become the fulfillment of that. And then we step right into this relationship with Leah. And there, there is no, uh, in God's eyes, there's no competition between Leah and Rachel. They're a process. Even in Jacob's eyes, for Jacob, all of these sons become his. Yes, he favors Joseph and Benjamin. Because they're not the process. They're the fruit. They're the power of the anointing. They're the... Uh, being the right hand of Pharaoh. They are saving the people, saving the family. That lies with Joseph. But in order for Joseph, in order for us in our lives, us the church, we the church, in order for us to have that fruit in our lives, the anointing and the power of God in our lives, we have to recognize that there's Leah. And the Messiah Messiah himself, Jesus Christ. What tribe is he from? He's of the tribe of Judah. Jesus, the Savior that was promised and promised that Jacob would would have him. He doesn't come through Rachel. He comes through Leah. And when Jacob dies, he he is buried next to Leah. Now, that's not necessarily because he favored Leah at that point over Rachel Rachel died giving childbirth, so she's not buried there at all. She's, she was buried on the way. And most likely, if that hadn't happened, she would have been buried there too. So Jacob would have been buried with both of them. But, the, but, the, but the, what actually happens is Jacob is resting next to Leah. So these things are important. To see what God's doing in the earth, to hear what he's doing and what he's saying, to be established in who he is and what he's given us, to be established in the righteousness that he's given us, And then to respond to that with praise. When we do those things, that gate swings open 
and the power and the anointing of God is poured out and given to us. All right, now I want to go to the New Testament. This is in Mark chapter 8. I have to set this up a little bit too. Uh, Mark chapter 8 is the story of the disciples who are uh, in a boat with Jesus. This is their third boating experience with him. Uh, the first one they, um, in the first one, Jesus is asleep in the boat. Remember that story? And, the second, and they, they ask Jesus to get up. Uh, and they say, you know, they ask the Savior of the world, are you afraid? Are, are you, are you, oh, let's see, what do they say? Um, Don't you care that we perish? They ask the Savior of the world, don't you care that we perish? It's an ironic statement. Uh, and, and Jesus gets up and he calms the storm. He does what they ask. And then he turns to them and he says, why so little faith? It's not a reprimand. He's, he's prodding them. He's asking them, why, why? Why did this happen this way? So what we have in that story is the disciples are stressed. They're afraid. They go and they talk to Jesus. Jesus answered, and then Jesus says to them, why so little faith? Now, this is challenging because that would be what we would call it. If we are stressed and we go to Jesus and we talk to him about it, what do we call that? We call that prayer, right? So the disciples or us, we go to God, we pray. He responds and does what we need. And then he looks at us and says, why so little faith? Because sometimes God doesn't want to do things for us. He wants to do things through us. So the second time they go sailing with Jesus, he's actually not in the boat with them. He's just told them to go to the other side. His word has said, I will meet you on the other side. So they have the confidence or should have the confidence that they will be okay, that they will get to the other side because Jesus has already prophesied that he will meet them there. Of course, uh, Peter, this is when Peter walks on the water. But the important part here is that Jesus intends to walk by. He's not planning to stop and get in the boat with them. He's planning to, it's another storm. I guess when they get in the boat, go sailing with Jesus, there's things happen, right? So they, he plans to just walk on by, but because they call out to him and he comes and Peter gets out and walks on the water, all that stuff happens. Peter has a great opportunity to have a conversation with Jesus standing on the water. They get back in the boat and then boom, they're at their destination. So here's the second time they've been sailing with Jesus. And the same thing happens. Peter, they get in the boat and Jesus says, why are you... Why did this happen this way? Why so little faith? Third time is this one. They get in the boat with Jesus, and a storm comes up. And then this whole conversation comes on after this. I'm going to move. I'm just going to move through these. You know these stories. So most likely you know that Jesus and and the disciples and the boats and fear and they pray and they answer. And so it's the same in every story. The the thing you have to understand is that before two of these, they participated in a miracle with Jesus. The miracles that they participated had to do with feeding people. Right? So they fed the 5,000, right? And they fed the 4,000. Interestingly enough, when they had five loaves... They fed, they, and two fish, they fed 5,000 people, right? And then uh, the next time they, they have seven loaves, so they have more, and they feed 4,000. I think I'm doing that. <laughs> so 5,000, it's like the less they had, the more they could, they could, the more they could feed. And then God said, Jesus says to them, okay, let's go over here. Here's, uh, 
that here is this conversation with them when they get out of the boat this last time. They're in the boat, and or they're, uh, actually, they're still in the boat. Jesus says, uh, "Beware of the loaves of the uh, beware of the yeast." I don't have it up there. What is it? Yeah, the yeast of the Pharisees. And the disciples say, "Yeah, I didn't put that up there." The disciples say, "He's he's upset with us because we didn't bring any bread." Okay, so put that in context. They fed 5,000. They fed 4,000. And now Jesus is upset with them because they didn't bring any bread. Doesn't make any sense, right? And Jesus in his mind is going, I wasn't talking about bread. I was talking about the, the yeast, the leaven of the Pharisees. Leaven is a mindset in the scripture. So it's this mindset of the religious spirit of the Pharisees. There's, two, there's another mindset mentioned in scripture, and it's the one of the government. So there's the government mindset, and there's the religious mindset, and then there's the kingdom mindset, which is what he wants us in. He wants us in the kingdom mindset. The difference between the three is that the kingdom mindset operates from heaven to earth. The other two operate from earth to heaven and therefore involve fear, the fear of man. And so it, Jesus is saying, be careful be careful that you don't leave the kingdom mentality. Don't leave that space. Because if you do, you're going to fall into the fear of man. And you'll have the wrong mindset for what I've called you to do. The disciples totally miss it. And they go, he's upset because we don't have lunch. And Jesus says, well, I wasn't talking about bread, but let's just say that I was. He goes with them. Let's just say that I was talking about bread. Have, and then here's the part. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? 12, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? They answered seven. And he said to them, do you still not understand? So what happens when we don't, it's like, it's like when we eat a lot of good food, but our body doesn't absorb it. It's like they had all the nutrition that they needed, but their body for some reason couldn't absorb it. Only that now we're talking about a mindset. They had this amazing experience with Jesus. They understood the miraculous. They had thought twice now, many more times actually, but they had thought specifically from the heaven mindset to the earth. Yet they're still starting their conversation from a place of lack, which doesn't exist in the heaven-to-earth mentality. It only exists in the earth-to-heaven mentality. See, once you become a part of the church, you have lost the ability to start from a place of lack. You can only have a kingdom mindset, which is from heaven to earth. And so here they are in the boat, and Jesus saying, do you not see? Do you not hear? Do you not understand or have you forgotten? Are you not established with me anymore? Have you forgotten? Because if you have, then the church will not have the power and the anointing that it's supposed to have. And that's where I want to finish today. Putting these two stories together, I'm not sure that they belong together, but why not, right? Same idea. Do, not, you, do you not see? 
Do you not hear? Are you not established? Praise for me. And then I will anoint and give power. Now, that's all good, except for sometimes we get stuck, right? What about when you don't know what God's doing? You can't see where he's going, and you can't hear what he's doing. I don't know if you've been there, but sometimes I've been there. I'm do- you know, the disciples did everything right. Jesus said, pass out the bread. They passed out the bread. He said, pick up the leftovers. They picked up the leftovers. There's nothing in that story of disobedience. The disciples did what Jesus said to do. They obeyed him perfectly. But now they've forgotten it. And so the whole point of why Jesus did it is lost. And Jesus is saying, remember. Remember. Because when we remember, it's a testimony. And what is a testimony but the spirit of prophecy? And what is prophecy? The spirit of prophecy is the power to do right now what I couldn't do a minute before. So here we have it. When we're stuck in that place and we can't see and we can't hear, what do we do? We start to praise him. We go backwards. We start with the fourth, the fourth song. We start to praise him. And we remember that we are established in him. We remember what he's gifted us with. And then as we do that, we'll start to hear what he's saying. And then we'll start to see what he's doing. And then most of all, we'll remember how loved we are. Because remember, Leah, God saw that Leah was unloved. And so he gave her these four sons. So we go backwards on those four steps. We don't know what to do. We don't know where God's going. We don't know what's going on. Help my own belief. Uh, okay. I'm just going to praise you. Jesus, there's power in your name. Jesus, I know you love us. I know you love me. I'm going to stand on that. I'm going to remember. I'm going to remember how righteous I am. I'm going to remember that my behavior is not the indicator. Yours is. I am going to stand on that. Okay. Oh, what's that you're saying? Okay. Oh, now I see what you're doing. Wow, you love me so much. That's the church. Now we're ready. We're the gateway. We're ready to receive the power and the anointing from Joseph. So, Lord Jesus, I just thank you that you don't reprimand us when we are stuck at that spot where we can't see or hear what you're doing. I thank you that you don't reprimand us for wanting the fruit of Rachel. I thank you that you see us together needing the power of the offspring of Leah and the power of and the anointing of the offspring of Rachel. And Lord Jesus, we thank you that you make both of these very free for us to have. Lord, I pray that as we walk out our lives, that we will remember that we are the church, that we are the gateway, individually and collectively, but that we are the gateway from which heaven comes to earth, the gateway for your power 
to change lives on the earth today, all around us, in our circle of influence. Lord, I pray that as we, uh, as we walk that out, that you will anoint our lives, that you will allow us to show Jesus to the world, that you will allow us to be Joseph to the world. And Lord, I thank you that you will allow us to stand and praise you when we don't understand. And I thank you that when we praise you, you bring to our minds a remembrance for us, our testimony of what you've done in the past. And we can stand on that. And we know who we are. Lord, I thank you that you make your thoughts known to us. You hear and see our issues and you respond by letting us hear and see from your heart and your mind. I thank you that you have given us your mind and that we don't have to be afraid. I thank you that we don't have to turn to the mindset of the religious spirit or the political spirit, but that we have the mindset of your kingdom. Lord, I pray for patience as we wait on Leah to fulfill her mission for us. And I thank you that you do open the womb of Rachel and give us the anointing and the power to save our families on the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. It's just, I think, uh, not that many days ago, within the last, sometime over the last week or two, I was in the passage where, you know, Jesus and the disciples are in the boat and they're crossing is one of the, one of the ones that Lori was mentioning. And then, of course, the storm comes up and the disciples freak out and uh, they come down and they wake Jesus up. He's sound asleep in the bottom of the boat, in the hole of the boat. And they wake him up, say, Lord, Jesus gets up. Peace, be still. Calms the storm. He has the authority over the wind and the waves. And disciples are wiping the sweat off their brow. Thank God. And then Jesus rebukes them and says, you have little faith. You had the same authority. You had the same power. And you didn't exercise it. And so I I want us to stand today. Let's stand up together today. We're talking about walking through that anointing. We're talking about, you know, enduring the process, beholding Leah. And I can think of dozens of places in my life where that's been, that's been the case. That's been the beholding the Leah. That's part of the story. That's part of the process. And God uses that. And I think for some of us today, that's not a really fun, uplifting idea or thought because we just want the Holy Spirit to come and wave like fairy dust over our circumstance and everything to be just okay. But the Lord is doing a work of transformation and sanctification in you. And he's using those Leahs in our life to do that. The Bible says that all things, that God makes all things. Everybody say all things. things. Not just the happy things, but he makes all things work together for good for those who are called according, who love him and are called according to his purpose. That doesn't mean he causes the bad things to happen, but he will use whatever the circumstances is. But we've got to remember, we are anointed. 
we've got to remember that we are anointed. And I want to make this declaration today from Luke chapter 4. When Jesus, when he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him and he enrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written and where I want us to declare this. This is what was prophesied about Jesus. It was true about him. And now it's true about you and me because of what he has done. So I want you to just repeat this after me. The spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Come on, say it like you mean it. He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released. That the blind will see. That the oppressed will be set free. And that the time of the Lord's favor has come. God, we just come to you right now. This is me praying over all of us. Yeah. God, we just come to you right now. And God, we just, we, we say whatever Lee is in our life that you're using to, to work some things out in us. Lord, help us not reject them, but help us seek you in the middle of them and say, God, what are you doing here? Where, where is it that you're wanting me to partner with you in this? God, where is it that you're wanting me to surrender to you in this? God, where is this you're wanting me to obey you in this? But God, help us remember that you've given us authority. You've given us power. God, that we would not just have the mindset, the old mindset, the, the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod, but God, that we would have your mindset, that you anointed us, that you've given us every spiritual blessing. Jesus, we thank you that you made it possible for us to be called sons and daughters. So Lord, I pray that not only do we remember that, not only do we remember that we're sons and daughters, but we remember that we are anointed, that we're anointed to bring good news to the poor, to proclaim uh, captives to be released, that, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. I thank you. I pray that over every single person, God, every single believer in this room right now, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we proclaim that, we declare that, we believe that. In Jesus' name. If you're here today and you have any need in your life whatsoever that you've not stood with someone today and prayed with them about, our prayer team is going to be over here on this wall. I want to invite you as we close today, come and receive prayer. If you are here today and you're not a follower of Jesus and you want to make that decision, you want to make that step and say, okay, uh, my entire life has led up to this moment. I want to follow Jesus. You can make that decision today. We'd be love to meet you, love to pray with you about that, but it's not like you're going to pray some magic prayer now, and like, again, the, the spiritual fairy dust gets waved over you and all. No, you make that decision, you decide to follow Jesus, he comes and he comes into your life, and he breathes his Holy Spirit inside you, he makes your spirit, your inner man, a new creation, and then all things are new, old things are passed away, all things have become new, and we want to walk with you on that spiritual journey because it's not a journey for Lone Rangers. It's a wolf pack journey. Amen? You're like, wolf pack? I can't believe you just said that. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, we're going to pray. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray over you, bless you. If you need prayer this morning, come down and receive prayer. Uh, but then we're going to start getting to work. Uh, and if you're looking for things to do, uh, 
you know, we're going to have plenty of things to do to load up around here. So, Lord, I just thank you so much that you're so good to us. And Lord, I just pray over your people today that they would know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. They would know the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit and that they would know the love of the Father in Jesus' name. And God, I pray this, I thank you. I thank you for this theater, God. I thank you for the the more than two years that we've been here. I thank you for the things that you've done here. God, we reflect and we remember what you've done here. And we're thankful for that. And God, we look forward with great hope and great anticipation as we leave here and go into the next season of being at the Grove. God, of what what awaits us there, what you have awaiting for us there. God, I'm reminded also that it's not about an address. It's not about brick and mortar. It's not about pavement. It's not about uh, building materials. It's, It's about the people, God, that we are living stones that we are the church, that we are what you are building, God. And we, as living stones, we align ourselves with you, Jesus, the chief cornerstone. God, we thank you for this season. This is coming to a close here. And God, we just, we pray there would just be a remnant of your blessing here because your people met here. God, because we were faithful here for the last two years, Lord, I pray that just, just your spirit would still linger here, God people would come to know you. Lord, I again thank you for what you have for us in the next season. In the name of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Stay connected with us at SeedsChurchTN.com and on social media. Our mission at Seeds Church is to help people discover who God created them to be and equip them to do what He called them to do. One of the easiest ways you can help us accomplish our mission is by simply sharing this podcast. You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening. We hope to see you soon.